morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning. We're going to be talking about a grateful heart and Thanksgiving. I think that's appropriate in this week. I don't know what your plans are for the week, but uh, this is one of those times where we set aside some time to be with family and friends and to reflect on how good God has been to all of us. It is Thanksgiving week. As I uh, was uh, thinking about that and studying uh, for the message, you know, I, I sometimes like to go back to origins. I kind of wanted to know, you know, what, what is it? Why is this a national holiday? What was the origin of it? Of course, uh, we know the story of the pilgrims giving thanks, but then that was passed on to generations of Christians from the 1600s uh, clear up till uh, the United States became a country in 1776. It was actually uh, first celebrated nationally in 1789. There was a proclamation that was made by a man by the name of George Washington after a request was made by Congress. Can you imagine that today? A request, a request from Congress to have a national day of thanksgiving to the Lord God Almighty. That, that, that is something that is uh, truly special to think about. You know, its celebration was intermittent until a president by the name of Abraham Lincoln actually made it an official federal holiday in 1863. So everything's going to be closed you know, we're not going to have the mail run that day. We're going to close the government. I remember as a child, and some of you may remember this as well, of nothing being open on Thanksgiving. I remember a lot of times we'd be traveling somewhere on Thanksgiving, and, uh, you know, the only place you might find open on Thanksgiving was on an interstate. You might be able to find a gas station there that would give you some gas. But, I mean, if you were in town, you were out of luck, okay? Everything was closed. You weren't getting groceries that day. You, you weren't going to go shopping in any way, shape, or form that day. Everything was closed. Um, everything was shut down, and the whole purpose of it was to give us time away to get a break and to be thankful to God for all that we had. Listen to what uh, President Lincoln declared when he declared it a national federal holiday. He said this, he wanted it to be a national day, a national day, the whole country, of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. It is to be celebrated the fourth Thursday in November. Since 1863, it's been a national holiday. But now, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Even then, 20 or 25 or 30 years ago, it's a little bit different because we, we now have Black Thursday. There's stores that actually open on Thursday so you can get your shopping on. And, and that's followed by Black Friday, uh, which we may have known about for quite some time. But there, it's amazing how much uh, is open on Thursday. It's amazing how um, it's become much more about turkeys and, and just it's National Turkey Day and, um, and, and the thoughtfulness behind a nation being thankful to God for what He had given them has now become so secularized to the point sometimes I think we get distracted by that. I don't think that we understand fully what it's really all about. And we need to be reminded that we need to be praising our Heavenly Father and thankful to our, our Heavenly Father all the time. And so I want to share a story with you about that today in the Word of God, Luke 17. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 17. If you don't have your Bible, you can grab that one that's around you and turn it to page 876. And I'll be right there. At Luke 17, and as always, you're welcome to follow along in the, in the app on your phone or your tablet. If you don't have that downloaded yet, we encourage you to do so. Uh, just search Oakwood Enid, Oakwood Enid, and you will be able to download the app and have all the sermon notes and, and all that. Luke 17, and we're going to be, begin here with verse 11. 
Uh, this is Jesus, and he's uh, traveling somewhere, and this is what happens. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, one of the disadvantages we have sometimes in reading a biblical text like this is that we don't understand uh, what, what exactly they're talking about because the context is so different than our context today. I'm just curious, by show of hands this morning, how many of you have ever had leprosy? Anyone here ever had leprosy? Okay, I was the same as first service. No one's had, how many of you have had a family member who has had a full-blown leprosy? Anybody here have a family member? It does exist in the world today, but nobody here. Okay, so it's kind of hard for us to, to read about lepers and leprosy. I remember teaching a story about uh, using the word leper uh, with children's ministry one time years ago, and I remember one of the kids thought it was a lemur. Thought it was an animal. A leper was an animal. So the whole I mean, that gives a whole new meaning to the story. Is you know they come to be healed from being an animal. But anyway, uh, they but but it's it's one of those words that maybe it's not familiar to us. And so it's good for us to kind of understand uh, what was a leper. What what did that mean? And it was a terrible disease. Um, it was a disease that was almost like. You could compare it today almost to a flesh-eating bacteria, but literally um, parts of the body would become infected and they would fall off. Like if your finger had leprosy, it would get really gross and really gnarly and could actually just deteriorate and die and fall off your body. I always make fun of this song uh, to the tune of, uh, of uh, Yesterday by the Beatles. There's a song called Leprosy. I used to do it in children's ministry and stuff. It talks about leprosy. All my skin keeps falling off of me. I'm not half the man I used to be. Oh, I believe in leprosy. Um, and that's just a good way to describe it is it was this, this, uh, a, this uh, disease that you got and that you contracted. And it was highly contagious. And so if you got leprosy, basically your life with other people was over, except for other lepers. I mean, your life was over. It was so highly contagious. And, and it was so contagious that they would actually make lepers live in leper colonies, and so you kind of have your own group and your own herd of lepers. One of the things that they were told to do, and it was in the law, but it was a cultural thing too, is if you and your leper colony, your leper uh, friends were you know, over here on the side of the road and someone was walking toward you, they were, they were forced to yell and shout, unclean. And so if you were moving towards somebody uh, that, that had leprosy, that leper, to let you know, don't get near me, would just start yelling, unclean, unclean, unclean. So that was just a message to let people know that, that, that they had leprosy. It was so highly contagious. I remember reading a story one time about when they would want to have a source of water. Uh, they would not want the lepers to bring their bucket to go draw from the well. It exposed everyone to the disease. And so what they would do is the lepers would actually come near a village. They would set their bucket down and, and ask for someone to get them water. 
Someone would go draw water from the well with their bucket, come over to the leper's bucket while the leper stood at a distance, pour the water in, being sure to not touch the buckets or you know, inter- intermingle it at all, then take their bucket back and then say, hey, lepers, you can come get your water. I mean, that's how they had to, to get water. It was such a contagious disease and it was viewed by society as something that was so wretched and so horrible. And it's interesting, too, in the passage here, that what Jesus says, when they, it says that when they cry out and they lifted their voice to him saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, it says, and then Jesus said to them, what, be healed? No, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. This is something else that we need to understand. That the Jewish law said that only the priests were the ones that could declare them clean. And so if they were to reenter society and actually be healed of their leprosy, uh, it was the priests that had to examine them and had to certify them as clean and say that now you can rejoin the rest of society. It's interesting to note, too, that it appears that these men were not immediately cleansed. Notice what it says there. It says that as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus gives them a command to go show themselves to the priest, and it was as they obeyed him, as they went, they were cleansed. And then our passage says that one of them came back when he saw that he was healed. He had a right heart toward God. He appreciated the difference that Jesus had just made in his life. Which really brings us to the question today, why do so many people experience the goodness of God and so few return praise and grateful thanksgiving to his name? And as we come into this week and maybe this season, if you want to say that, of thanksgiving, I want you to see two groups from the story today and see what makes the difference in each one? Because there were two groups of lef- lepers in our passage today. The first group would be called the grateful lepers. The grateful lepers. You see, grateful lepers are those who are healed and never forget the disease they were healed from. They remember how good clean really feels after they'd been yelling unclean. For quite some time. We don't know their exact stories. We don't know their ages. We don't know if they contracted leprosy when they were a teenager. If that's when they were pulled out of society, maybe for some of them it had just happened months before, maybe some of them years before, maybe some of them had, had leprosy since they were a child. They've just been fighting the constant infection and the constant part of, those, of that disease for many, many, many years. We don't know exactly, but we know that they should remember unclean. You know, sometimes I think this is how we are in our sinful state. Is that we are unclean. That maybe sometimes we should be the ones calling out unclean before we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Before we are saved by His grace through faith. And this is how the leper in this account appeals to Jesus as one that is grateful for the deliverance of their dreadful existence. Grateful for the deliverance of not being lonely anymore. Of not being an outcast to society. Of not having to suffer with their condition, because the Lord had healed them. And how many of us have not had to suffer anymore for our condition of sinfulness because of what the Lord has done for us? And this one leper was so grateful that he wanted to express that in his actions, and it says in the passage that he actually returned to Jesus to give thanks. I love what it says at the, at the end of verse 15. It says that when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice. Everybody could hear him running back to Jesus 
and just praising the Lord for the healing that had come upon his life, for his deliverance, for his even salvation. And for some of you, that's exactly what needs to happen this week, is you need to turn back, and you need to return to God, and you need to be able to thank him for saving your life, because you need to be a grateful leper. But then there was the second group, the ungrateful lepers. You see, ungrateful lepers are those who are healed and they go on acting as if they never had the disease or needed the healing. They don't acknowledge or even remember their former state, so it's maybe hard for them to be grateful. They've eliminated that from their mind. Once they're cleansed, once they, once they got what they wanted, they forgot all about God. They took their good health and they ran with it, literally. And I wonder if there are times where we do the exact same thing. Oh yeah, we're quick to go to God when we want something from Him. We're quick to cry out and and call upon His name. But as soon as our lives take that turn for the better, as soon as we find ourselves in a better circumstance or situation, or God answering our prayers, we find ourselves not praying as much as we did before, not grateful for our deliverance, not thankful for what God has done, not praising His name, and not remembering what our situation was like before He intervened. You see, these lepers were so completely healed that they got to return to normal life. I think that's what happens to us sometimes. So we go through this thing and then we get to return to normal life and they quickly forgot who had offered them the gift of mercy and healing in the first place. They've been outcasts in society for so long that they got to go home. Got to go back in their social circles and their social clubs. Some of them got to to go back to their golf buddies and actually uh, go to the swimming pool and not be ridiculed. Sometimes they had been always given the greeting of unclean or had, had yelled at themselves to other people. Well, now that was replaced with a handshake or a high five that maybe they hadn't had in some time. You see, the untouchables were now the embraceables. The infected could now be respected. The once tomb dwellers, which is where a lot of The lepers hung out was near the tombs. We're now able to be officers at the Ambux Club again. But who was it? Who was the one they had to thank for all of that? It was Jesus, the Son of God. And I wonder, without this one leper returning to Jesus, would we have ever even had this story in the Bible? Would would we have ever known about this miracle of Jesus? Maybe we just read something like this, as, as, as Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing by uh, this, this region, and he went into this village, and he healed ten lepers. And then he went on to the next town. But it's amazing how Jesus heals them. They receive so much a new life, a new existence from God. And yet there's only one that will return and thank him for the new life. I think this maybe points points to a heart problem as much as it might be a head problem. Because I think we're in the same boat, aren't we? If you don't help yourself to remember sometimes and to really weigh that and let that lay on your heart of who you were, what it was like before God intervened in your circumstances, what it was like before God intervened and saved your soul, remind yourself of all that the Lord has done for you. And you'll forget to thank the Lord with gratitude for His grace and His mercy and His love. 
As we come upon this Thanksgiving week, we all have something to be very thankful for. We read this throughout the scriptures. Let, let me share some of, the, some of the things from scriptures that people were thankful for. In Psalm uh, chapter 9, verse 1, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of his wonderful deeds. In Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. In Psalm 106, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And in Psalm chapter 107, I'm actually going to read 22 verses of this psalm to you. And I want you to follow along and really listen to what the writer is saying here and how he is praising and giving thanks to the Lord. It begins in verse 1, Psalm 107. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Have you ever been there? Ever been to that point where your soul is fainting within you? Look at verse 6. It says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Look at the next part here. For He satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of the Lord and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. And then, verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. In verse 19, and then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. We read that passage. There's actually three parts. I don't know if you caught it. There's actually three parts that actually repeat themselves. In verse 6, in 13, and 19, it says the exact same thing. It says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. But then there's a second verse that repeats three times. It's verse 8, 15, and 21. And it says, Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. And I love what it says in verse 22. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. And tell of his deeds and songs of joy. It made me think about worship this morning. 
that maybe you're one of those that, that just comes in and you're not really singing the songs of joy. You're, you're not praising Him. Praising God with a loud voice like it talks about in, in verse 15. And, and I know sometimes you know, singing might not be your deal, but the Bible says that we're supposed to do that. It's supposed to be our response as humans is to sing and shout and proclaim the praises of the Lord. We have one of our elders that can't carry a tune in a bucket. I'm not going to say who he is. But what I love about him is he sings out. It's the most stale one note singing you can ever hear, but he sings out because he's going to still praise the Lord with whatever the Lord has given him. I want us to have that heart. I want us to have, what, what, what does it look like? What is a sacrifice of thanksgiving? What does it really mean to tell of his deeds and songs of joy? I think for some of us, we need to remember that while you were still yet covered in the leprosy of sin, Jesus came. He offered you healing. And he rescued you. He saved your life. And you have a lot to be thankful for. You have a lot to be grateful for. And if you are, and if you feel that even right now in this moment, how do you express and show that to God? How are you actually showing Him that you are grateful? Because if you are this morning, I want to challenge you to do two things this week. And the first one is this. It's really easy. Thanksgiving. Return to give him thanks. Just like the leper in our story did, he made an effort and he returned to Jesus because he was so thankful for what the Lord had done in his life. He actually had to change his direction. He actually had to stop his progression. He had to pause and he had to go back to Jesus and he returned to him. And 90% of lepers didn't return to God and give him thanks. I wonder what that percentage is like for us as Christians today. Could we have a similar percentage? That 90% of us won't pause and give thanks to God? That 90% of us won't do what it says in verse 15 and praise God with a loud voice? That we won't return to Him and be thankful for Him for all that He has done for us? You see, the problem sometimes, I think, is that we are quick to pray and ask but we are slow to praise and thank. We're quick to pray and ask. We need something from the Lord. But then that's kind of where our prayers end. As soon as He's answered our prayers, then we are slow to praise and thank. And that should just be a continuation. I'm not telling you this morning that you shouldn't be quick to pray or that you shouldn't be quick to ask something from the Lord. When He answers those prayers, and you begin to do an inventory of your life, you begin to look at all the blessings of your life. Don't be slow to praise and thank Him. But give Him praise and give Him thanks right there. So the first one is thanksgiving. That we need to return to give Him thanks. To go back and give Him thanks. And the second one is thanks living. Thanks living. Live in such a way that everyone knows about your gratitude for the one who saved you. That everyone knows that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, when was the last time you were having a conversation with someone and you, did, you, you bragged on the Lord a little? Maybe that needs to be your social media points for the week. Is you're going to brag on the Lord and what He has done for you, wherever you are, whoever you're with. Let them know and let them see your gratitude and thankfulness for your Savior. And you give Him praise in public circles. 
And you let the world see your dedication to him because of what he has done for you. You have his praise always be on your lips. And you remember his mercy, his love, and his grace that has redeemed you. And you're thankful because it's freely given to you. I want to close with a a story. There's a first grade class at public school, and the teacher was getting ready for Thanksgiving break and decided to, to do a project. And she'd asked all these first graders to get out a blank piece of paper and to draw what they were thankful for. I mean, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? You know, just, just get out and draw what you're thankful for. Now, this class, probably like a lot of classes today, had a lot of different uh, socioeconomic representations in it. I mean, there were some kids that had everything, and the teacher knew. I mean, they show up to school, they got new shoes, and they got new clothes, nice clothes all the time, and they've got all their school supplies in their backpack, and anything that they need, they you know, they, they can have. And there were other kids that maybe showed up, didn't have their school supplies the first day of school, or maybe didn't, didn't have what other kids had. And it was one of those things that, it, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. And this teacher loved those students and loved all those students the same. It didn't matter what their background was. But they give the piece of paper out and they're all drawing. And, and you know, some of them, uh, one of the little girls had, drawn, had uh, drawn like 24 boxes on her paper, like this grid, and had 24 images of Thanksgiving. I mean, it said these toys and these shoes and these, you know, bicycle and inline skates and video game system and, you know, some kind of iPhone or iPod. Uh, you know, all of this stuff that she was saying, well, she was thankful for her family and it, you know, looked like a normal family and, uh, you know, just all these things to be thankful for. And you, you know, and what she did is she, she actually took the kids out to recess. And while they were at recess, she came back into the room and she was kind of walking around looking at the papers, just kind of admiring to see how their work was, was coming along. And she goes around to look at all the papers in the class. And there's this one little boy. And what he had drawn on his paper was a hand. Just, just a hand. All these other kids had drawn, had drawn toys and families and, you know, adventures and vacations and, you know, things that they're, you know, their favorite thing that their parents own that they bought them or, you know, all of these things. And those are wonderful things and we should be thankful for those. But this little boy who, who didn't have much, who was definitely more um, in the classification of poor or, or someone who was destitute in the class, he had shown up, he had not had all of his supplies and he, he, he seemed to, to wear the same clothes a lot. He, he just didn't seem to have much. And he draws a picture of a hand. What are you most thankful for? A hand. What does that mean? Well, the kids were coming off the, the playground from recess and coming back into the classroom. And they do what a lot of kids will do. They like to look at other people's papers, right? And they're walking in the room looking and they're like, oh, you know, I have one of those too. And, you know, and they're going around. But they're all looking at the little boy's paper. It just has picture of a hand on it. And everybody knows it's a hand. It's drawn well enough. You know what it is. It's, it's a hand. It's got five fingers. Everybody's speculating about it. Some of the kids, you know, are like, oh, you know, I, I bet you this hand, you know, represents his, his mom's hand. And, 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 you know, maybe she's, he's thankful for his mom. And, you know, some other kids are like, maybe it's the hand of God. He's drawn the hand of God because he's thankful because everything he has comes from God. You know, and they're kind of speculating about this. Hand. What does this hand really mean? And, so the teacher's curious too, so all the students get back in and they're kind of sharing. They're sharing, 
you know, this is what I'm thankful for, and this is what I'm thankful for, and they're drawing them out, and they're, you know, and it comes a little boy's turn, and the teacher's like, I'm really anxious to hear about your hand. She said, you drew a picture of a hand. She says, that's what you're most thankful for. What, what is that? What, is, what does the hand represent? Whose hand is that? And the little boy said to his teacher, he said, the hand, that hand is your hand. The teacher's like, what? Yeah, I drew a picture of your hand. So when I've had hard days here at school, you've given me your hand to hold, to help me get through. When there were times I didn't have what I needed, it was your hand that brought me pencils or paper or whatever I needed. When there's things that I don't understand, it was your hand that came along and showed me and taught me. You see the difference a little hand can make. It can actually be something that someone is thankful for. And because that scene gives praise to God. See, the teacher took that moment and told the little boy, I want you to understand why my hand will hold your hand, why my hand will provide for you, why my hand will teach you and do all these things. It's because there's a hand in the heavens that has provided for me. And that hand of God loves you so much that I'm just being like the hands of God to you. I don't know what happened to the little boy, but I bet you he remembers that lesson. And isn't it amazing how his teacher, through taking care of him, through loving him, through having an open hand to help him, opened up an opportunity for him to give glory to God and for his teacher to tell the story. You see, I think if you think about it, there's hands in your life that you're very thankful for. Maybe it's the hands of your parents. Maybe it's the hands of a relative. Maybe it's even a teacher. Or maybe for you, it's the hands of God. But it's through your response that the testimony of God and continue. I think that's why in the passage it was so important in verse 15 to note that he responded by praising God in a loud voice. For some of you, maybe your next step is praising God in a quiet voice or maybe a medium voice, but for some of you, what could you do this week? How could you use your even, even your hands to help people have gratefulness and thanksgiving to God?